Hi, this is Jim Lovato. I'm the president and founder of a company called Performance Group. You're listening to the podcast version of a program that originally aired on BizTalk Radio Show. I started BizTalk so you can have access to today's leading experts about growing your company and yourself. BizTalk is produced by Performance Group, which is in the business of helping the leadership of growth-oriented companies realize their potential. We do this by working with their sales force and helping those individuals discover and develop their unique abilities and then align those abilities with their opportunities. That's why we're known as a Salesforce development company. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Our guest today is Bob Seelert, who is the worldwide chairman of Saatchi and Saatchi, also a previous guest on our program and the author of the book, Start With The Answer. Bob, welcome back to the program. Nice to be back. Bob, it's been a while since you've written this book, and I was just kind of curious about what you've learned in this process. You have to go through and initially put your thoughts down on paper and then write the manuscript for that. Then it has to go through all the editing phase, and you have to get that published. And then you have to go out and promote the book. So looking back, I'm kind of curious, what's the one thing that surprised you about writing this book? The extent to which writing a book unmasks you. You know, uh, I hadn't really thought about getting unmasked and pretty much going over a, a reveal on your life as well as your career. And But it's been fine in that regard. I mean, I'm happy that I did. I just didn't realize I was going to do that. Publishing a book is a worthy goal. And like any goal, once you achieve it, you also create byproducts along the way. And by byproducts, and by byproducts, I mean something is created in pursuit of achieving that goal. In this case, you achieved the goal of publishing this book. And I was just kind of curious, Bob, what was the biggest byproduct that was created for you? Well, I've entered into an interesting phase most recently where I have been invited to go around to a number of colleges and to talk about the things that are in the book. They're very consistent with why I wrote the book, you know, which was to target aspiring leaders and be inspirational and try to be helpful to them in their careers. But now I'm really getting an opportunity to interface with people like this. I did a keynote address down at the Coach K. Fuqua School of Business Leadership Conference. I went up to Syracuse University to the Newsom School of Communications. I've been up to the Schulich School in Toronto, Canada, and I just came back from a two-day executive-in-residence experience at William & Mary. So it's been really interesting to interact directly with students and talk about the book. That's interesting. In fact, that was a question I was going to save to later in the program, but I'll ask it now. Bob, as you go out and talk to these college students, as you visit these universities, What's the questions that they're asking you? Um, well, I would say that the, the college students are uh, pretty uptight about the environment that they're graduating into. And it's somewhat of a uh, cold, hard reception in terms of getting off and uh, finding a job. So they've been particularly interested in tips as to uh, how they can go about successfully landing a job, and it's been part and parcel of a, uh, just a larger interest in how they can build a career and 
today's environment. Okay. And is there one piece of advice that you're consistently giving to the college students? Well, I have a story in the book on how to choose a career. Hmm. And basically it's a three-step process of doing a self-assessment in terms of what it is you're good at. And you should start with yourself, but you should also utilize friends and family and professors and things like that. And once you have that done on a piece of paper, the second thing you should do is to similarly write down what is it that you really like to do? What turns you on? What grooves you know, makes you get up in the morning and want to go off and do something? So if you put those two things together, what you're good at and what you like to do, and your third step is you want to identify a company that highly values those attributes. And if you put those three things together, what you're good at, what you like to do, and a company that highly values the things you want to be all about, that's going to make you successful and happy in your career. And for those of you who haven't read the book yet, there is a chapter on how to choose your career, and there's a whole section on how to manage your career. We're talking with our guest Bob Seelert, and the book he's talking about is Start With The Answers and Other Wisdom for Aspiring Leaders. Bob, you've been scheduled to come on this program for some time, which has given us an opportunity to go out and ask the audience what would they like to have the answer to? I basically went out and said, hey, the answer man's coming on. If there was one question you'd like to have an answer to, what would that be? So, Bob, they have provided us with some questions today. And what I thought we would do was just go through and ask you some of the questions that the audience has been asking me. Terrific. Our first question comes today from the preparation work I was doing for an executive briefing that I held. It was for company presidents, and I talked to my friend Barry. Barry owns an investment firm, and Barry and I were talking about who was going to be at the executive briefing, and given the environment we're in, what's the one question we should be asking these company leaders? So the question that Barry came up with was, what's the one thing you know to be true in your business, but there's no proof of it by the way you're running your business? And you have something similar in your book, Bob, where you talk about getting truth out on the table. So the first question really comes from, what do you do as a leader when you find a department head or a division head who's really not confronting the reality and they're not running it the way they should be because of that? How do you get them to see what's really going on? Well, I, I do believe that getting an open, honest, candid assessment of the facts out on the table is the absolutely essential starting point for making progress. Because until you do that, you're just not in a position to deal with the situation. There's a great tendency, particularly when the truth is ugly, to you know, uh, want to pretend that things aren't going to be that bad. I think in a leadership kind of sense, you know, you need to instill in your organization that you believe that an open, honest, candid assessment is the way to make progress. And you need to have your people know that you encourage them to come forth and to start everything that way. That being open, honest, and candid is highly valued in the company. It's not something that you want to just sweep under the rug. You don't want a bunch of just yes people bringing you the good news. And a lot of that is just the way you 
carry yourself and the expectations that you set with your organization in terms of how people are going to behave. Does making excuses get in the way of getting truth out on the table? Uh, it, it, it usually does get in the way, in, in my judgment. It's, uh, you know, people want to uh, kind of explain away what's happening as opposed to deal with the reality of what's happening. And it's much better to do the latter than it is the former. There's a Bible saying that says, the truth will set you free. The modern version of that is the truth will set you free, but first it will make you mad as hell. And I was just wondering, Bob, from your experience, where you've been involved in different companies at different levels, what's the one thing that Bob Seeler has learned that's kept him grounded so you can stay effective as a leader? Well, I, I think first thing you need to do is you need to uh, come to know yourself very well. Uh, you need to ask yourself, who am I, what do I believe in, what do I stand for, where am I going to draw the line, what are the values, beliefs, principles, and practices that are going to guide me in my career, and uh, then you need to live by that. I had an experience back in 1982 at the Aspen Institute that helped me to think through a lot of basic things in that regard, and uh, I, when I got done with the experience, I came home and I wrote what was called a, a personal statement. It's on page 26 of my book. And uh, whether or not somebody agrees with what I wrote down in my statement, I think doing that kind of process is a useful thing for everybody to kind of ask themselves, who am I, what do I believe in, what are the values, beliefs, and principles that are going to carry you forward. And uh, Once you do that, and if you live by it every day, then people really know who you are as a leader. They know what to expect. They know, you know what banner you're carrying into the fray. And uh, I think that's an important thing for leadership. Bob, you've consistently talked about how great communication is needed in order to be an effective leader. And that's one of the questions that came up from our audience, and that was them questioning how effective they were in communication. So there's really two parts to this question. The first part is, Bob, in your leadership role, do you consider yourself to be a great communicator? Uh, I believe that I've gotten quite good at it, but it's like a lot of things. The more often you do it, the better you get. And I just think it's a, a, a terribly important thing to do, particularly in tough times. And I've, I've been reinforcing that in tough times, I think you ought to increase the frequency of your internal communication. You ought to heighten your personal presence with your organization. Because people are understandably nervous. In some cases, they're downright scared. And by getting out there and letting them know that you understand what's going on, you give them some confidence and reassurance that your company is going to be on top of what needs to get done, that you're going to be one of the survivors, and no matter how tough the environment, you're going to uh, prosper and live to win another day. So I think when you have tough times, communications are even more important. And uh, the way to get good at it is to just keep doing it. Wait out there, get your feet wet, and uh, learn from experience. So what you're saying is, if somebody who's listening to this program feels they're not a great communicator, 
Just keep working at it, and they'll just get better at it. Exactly. As a leader, the one constant is change. You're always looking at how the organization needs to change to stay effective, efficient, and competitive. And recently, there's been plenty of reasons to change your organization. I was just kind of curious, Bob, as a leader, when you know change is going to be difficult, when you know it's going to be tough for people to make the adjustment, how do you get your people to buy into the change that needs to happen? Well, I think there has to be a strong belief that there's going to be a, uh, you know, a great ending point. But I, I've always tried to base my own career on subscribing to uh, long-term values. So long-term performance instead of you know, just a short-term phenomenon. Uh, I've always tried to subscribe to the notion of growth, of continuous improvement, and of uh, beating up on the competition in our industry, gaining share you know, consistently as you go forth. And those are you know, basic principles, long-term growth, continuous improvement, share, out-hustling competition, that uh, I, I think transcend any environment and uh, pretty much you know, accommodate all changes. So that if you're subscribing to those things, what you're trying to do is to take advantage of change in order to you know, further get ahead on, on those values. And so almost embrace change as a competitive advantage. Yeah, and I, I think you know, in, the, in the tough times that we're in right now, enlightened companies you know, are, are going for share of market so that when the inevitable rebound occurs, they'll get their disproportionate fair share of the game. As I talk to company presidents, one of the consistent things I'm hearing is that everything is open to examination right now. They're looking at every corner of their business, trying to figure out if they should change it, should they improve it, or should they quit doing it. And some of the feedback I'm getting, Bob, because everything is open to examination, and everything is on their table right now, at times, some people are feeling overwhelmed. Under those conditions, Bob, what have you learned that helps prevent you from getting overwhelmed? Well, I think that tough times do call for a full-court press. And so the, the people that are telling you that they're exploring you know, every aspect of their business are, in truth, doing exactly what they ought to be doing. Now, now is the time to re-examine and question everything. You know, uh, as time goes on, even though they're tough times, inevitably, you know, you're going to need to, uh, in some places, add some people, and in other places, create new capabilities. But what we've been saying is, every time you think of the word add, you also need to think of the word reduce. And every time you think of the word create, you need to think of the word eliminate, because tough times require trade-offs. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, uh, in our business right now, you know, with the uh, digital revolution and the incredible you know, change in media alternatives, you know, clearly we need to add people that are digitally savvy, and we need to create some new capabilities. But by the same token, you know, we don't have quite the same level of demand that we once had or some other more traditional, you know, forms of advertising like print ads. 
So as we add people who are digitally savvy, you know, we need to examine other parts of the company and uh, change with the times and adapt to get on the front foot to uh, ride the wave of change, be out in front of the new things, but be willing to put the, uh, the older things behind us or to reduce our emphasis on them. We're doing this interview at a time when most of the annual planning has been done, or at least in the revision stage, and yet the feedback I'm getting from company leaders, Bob, is they really don't have a reference point to do the annual planning because they've never been through an economy like the one we're in right now. So what advice do you give leaders who really don't have a reference point when they're putting their plans together, but yet they still need to make their plans work? Well, I think in uncertain times, you need to establish standards with the organization that, on the one hand, set a high standard and expectation, but on the other hand, are flexible in character. So, for example, in the year that we've just gone through, when we were setting our budget, we knew that the market was going to decline, our revenue was likely to fall, but we had no idea, really, how far down it would fall. And so... The standard that we set for performance was that we wanted to outperform whatever happened by 50%. So if the market was down 4%, we wanted to be down 2 If the market in other fell beyond that, let's say to 8% negative, uh, we'd accept being down 4 If by some miracle in the second half of the year it turned around and it was a plus 2, then we'd want to be a plus 3 but what we did is we set up a flexible standard that said we were going to outperform whatever market actually occurred. That's what we told our people. And I think that got us on the front foot to doing the things that would help us prevail in, in a tough market. Now, as it turned out, you know, uh, in the years it is, we're not going to get off. The market is down much more than we thought. Media spend in the United States is going to be down uh, 13% versus a year ago. We're not going to get all the way to beating that by 50%, but we are going to beat it by a considerable margin. And I think by setting that flexible and lofty goal from the beginning, we did better than we alternatively would have, might have done. Urgency is the next issue that my listeners wanted to bring up. As a leader, Bob, you tend to have these ideas, and you want to turn these ideas into reality, because you know the timing is right, or it's the right thing to do for the organization, or it's right for the marketplace, in order to get a competitive advantage. And at the same time, it seems to be a little frustrating to take your ideas and turn them into reality. So can you share some insight on how you're able to do that, and that is add urgency into an organization? I think uh, speed is you know, a real competitive requirement in today's marketplace. And one of the things that we've done to keep our people focused on Taking action in the short term is that we always develop uh, what we call 100-day plans. So, you know, yes, we have strategic purposes and things that we want to accomplish in the long term. You know, that, that's our inspirational dream for the company. That's our purpose. That's, you know, an ongoing kind of challenge. But we ask all of the leaders in our organization to also put together what are the six to eight things that you're going to get done in the next 100 days, you know, not the next three or four years, the next hundred days, and uh, then we 
at the end of that time frame, we take stock of where we are. Uh, hopefully we've knocked a number of them off. Some of them get recycled. But, you know, we start anew with a new 100-day plan. And keeping our focus on the short-term accomplishments that all fit on the path to long-term progress, I think is one way of, you know, dealing with this sense of urgency and the need for speed. Keep focused on that. Our guest is Bob Sheeler, and we're talking about his book, Start With the Answer, and Other Wisdom for Inspiring Leaders. Bob, that's some of the questions that our audience wanted to ask you, so thank you for your insight on that. I'm going to switch gears here for a little bit and ask you about leadership with our current president. You know, given the situation he was put into and given everything that's on his plate, just from a pure leadership role, how do you think he's doing? Well, President Obama certainly picked up a, uh, you know, a, a tough set of circumstances. It, it was a tough job to inherit. Yes, yes, it certainly was. And uh, so, you know, he's he's a man who I think came in with a, uh, a vision of where he would like to take things. You know, one may or may not agree with that, but uh, I, I think he does indeed have a vision as to where he wants to go. Uh, I think the one thing that uh, I wish that he would focus more on is uh, a story I have in my book regarding the importance of excellence and execution. The uh, wisdom at the end of that story says a good idea poorly executed can be worse than no idea at all because it can usually doesn't work. It can cost a lot of money and it can take a lot of time. And I think some of the things that have been done uh, have started out as good ideas, but the big problem is uh, achieving excellence in execution. So, for example, uh, you know, I thought it was personally a good idea to appoint Larry Summers. Uh, I started, I studied uh, economics, Keynesian economics, at uh, Harvard University, and uh, while that had been passed by by the uh, Milton Friedman Monetarist School. You know, I actually thought, given the deck that Obama inherited, that a, a dose of Keynesian economics might be just what the doctor ordered. Mm-hmm. Uh, Larry Summers said uh, that any dose of Keynesian economics ought to be timely, targeted, and temporary. And I thought those were three really good guidelines. But uh, with, with all of that, what I thought were good ideas in place, what happened next is that uh, everything just got delegated over to Congress. And uh, so we ended up with a stimulus bill that I think wasn't anywhere near as timely, as targeted, or as temporary as it could have been. And, you know, we're now reading that uh, by the time we get to the end of this year, only about a quarter of the stimulus money will be in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was over in Paris a few months ago, and they had a smaller stimulus bill, but 75% of their stimulus was in the market by July 1st, and 100% will be in the market by the end of the year. So, you know, I think uh, paying attention to the detail and excellence and execution is something that uh, great leaders need to do. They need to insist on on the part of their organizations. And uh, in my mind, there's been... Uh, too quick a handoff and too much delegation to others. 
uh, you need to really set tight priorities, stay focused on them, and making sure that uh, things are executed with excellence as well as just uh, being pursued. So to a certain extent, maintain ownership of those projects so they get driven through. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's, uh, it's how tight you set your priorities. Right. You know, you, uh, you need to kind of save the time and save some of your focus, you know, for the, uh, the, the hard work and the, and the execution of detail, not just, uh, you know, setting a direction. Bob, the title of your book is Start With The Answer, which is really about knowing where you want to go. As you look out over the landscape, who is doing that today? In other words, who is executing really well today, even in spite of what's going on around them? Well, the, uh, certainly the Walmart organization is uh, you know, continuing to execute with excellence in the environment that we're in. They've always been very big on attention to detail and excellence in execution. And uh, I think that combined with their promise of always the low price, you know, is uh, paying real dividends in the environment that we're in. You know, uh, in the growth kind of environment, uh, you know, Apple continues to do an incredible job. And, uh, I just read the Fortune magazine article you know, naming Steve Jobs of the decade, mm-hmm. and uh, you know this guy has been, you know, a great thinker, a great innovator, and uh, you know he's now in stage three, as he saw it, of the uh, emergence of the computer, and uh, you know we're with the technology and products that uh, he's brought to marketplace. You know he is quote creating a digital lifestyle, and uh, certainly if you look around us. Yeah, we see that happening every day now with the uh, iPod, the iPhone, and all of the applications and everything that's going on. You have stated that advertising follows the economy. If that's true, Bob, in your opinion, where do you see the economy headed next year? Well, uh, Ben Bernanke says the uh, recession is over. Uh, I think uh, technically in terms of definition and among economists, uh, he may be right, but uh, I was down at my mobile station the other day, and I said to the uh, mobile station owner, "Hey, Art, Ben Bernanke says the recession is over." <laughs> and he looked back at me and he said, "Ben Bernanke is full of blank, uh, a four-letter word." And so I personally think that uh, we bottomed out, but that it could be a uh, a long road back in terms of. Uh, you know, going onwards and upwards from here. Companies come to your organization, Bob, looking for the answers. In other words, where should they fit in? What's their competitive message? How should they be marketing their company? So what's the one piece of advice you're giving your customers today? Well, first of all, that uh, in, in tough times, enlightened companies go for share of market. And uh, I, I think that's, you know, an important thing to think long-term while you're dealing with the short-term, hmm. you know, because eventually this is going to be over. But the other thing that we're telling them is that we need to reframe uh, a lot of our messages to 
assure relevance in the environment that we're in. I mean, these are our tough times, and so you, you want to have a message that's tuned up to you know, be compelling in that kind of environment. Bob, on our program was Jeff Colvin, and he wrote the book, The Upside of the Downturn. And in the book, he had the fundamental question that leaders need to be asking themselves today. So I'm going to ask you the fundamental question that really comes from Jeff Colvin. The fundamental question is this. Is my industry being thrown off its normal trend line and things will go back to the way they were before? Or is my industry fundamentally changed and will never go back to the way they were before? So in answering Jeff's question, Bob, for your industry, is it being thrown off its trend line and it's going to go back? Or has it fundamentally changed? Um, I believe that our business uh, is a timeless bridge between, on the one hand, companies who make products, and on the other hand, consumers or customers who have needs to be fulfilled. And so, you know, we're we're around for the uh, long term because anybody who makes stuff wants to sell a lot of it. And we're the conduit for getting the information out and having it fit with consumer needs. So I think our business is going to be dramatically changed by the change in media and the way people are consuming information. And, uh, so, you know, if you're in the, uh, the, the newspaper business, I think, you know, newspapers are going to, uh, to be around. But they've been down over the course of the last few years, you know, at 25, 30%. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, digitally based uh, mobile communications on the Internet and over screen, uh, screens of any kind, you know, are up 15%, and the market is down 13 So they got, you know, a differential of 28 points, you know, relative to the market trend. So we need to adapt our, orga- our, our organization to be able to execute in all of the new mediums. That's a challenge for us. But uh, I think there's a continuing and timeless need for this communication bridge between uh, companies who make stuff and consumers who have needs to be fulfilled. And that's the role we play. Your future is where your focus is. So where's Bob's focus today? Uh, My focus is on seeing our organization reshape itself to whatever degree is necessary in order to deliver the right kind of messages in the future world. uh, That's really a a, a big part of our focus. Our guest is Bob Seelert. We've been talking about his book, Start With the Answer, and Other Wisdom for Inspiring Leaders. Bob, is there one question today that we haven't asked you that we should have covered on the program? I I think we've we've, uh, covered all of the, uh, the things that top of mind with me, to be honest. Good. Bob, if the audience wanted to learn more about your book, where would they go to find that information? Uh, well, I have a website for the book, startwiththeanswer.com. They can uh, kind of peek into it there. They can see what I've been doing most recently. And uh, it, you, know, you can always order the book at uh, Amazon. I want to give our audience one libatoism today, and it's this. To know and not to do is not to know. And Bob has definitely given you a lot of the answers. And the answers you haven't gotten tonight, you can definitely find in his book, Start With the Answer, and Other Wisdom for
for inspiring leaders. So now there's no reason for you not to know and simply go out and do. Bob, thanks for being on the program. Okay, Jim. Thanks very much. This or other BizTalk podcast may be downloaded by visiting our website at www.biztalkradioshow.com or you can subscribe to BizTalk through iTunes. If you want to learn the strategies how to take your sales force to the next level, you can contact the Performance Group at 800-550-9509 or visit us on the web at www.pmgllc.net.